Welcome to the Friday edition of the Preacher's Corner. I'm Pastor Jay, and we are going to get back into the Gospel of Luke today. Uh, possibly change some things up maybe by next week or the following week, but right now, sticking to the Gospel of Luke. Very powerful session today, dealing with love and the love of God, in fact. And it's coming from Luke chapter number 6. We're going to back up just a little bit from where we finished off yesterday, and we're going to go back to verse 27, and we're going to read down to verse number 36. And in this section, we're going to hear a lot of things that Jesus is teaching, but there's one over, overwhelming theme that is, is the point of the whole section, and that's God's love. The painful part of this is that we're going to have to look at God's love from the perspective of everything that Jesus says, everything that we have done to God, and then consider the way that others have done to us and how God has forgiven us so that we must forgive them. That's going to be the difficult part of the day. But the lovely part of it is knowing that the very mercy of God that even though we have been so so horrible to him, through many parts of our life, that we've been so so distant from him, not that he would be distant from us, but the opposite, yet still he's there. Yet still his love is so powerful and his mercy so amazing. <laughs> it's just God. And and so we're going to get into that today. But before beforehand, we're going to pray and seek the Spirit, guide us into the Word of God. So... Father, we thank you, and we ask that blessing be upon us. We pray that your Spirit will lead us to the Scripture now, that our heart may be completely engaged in the beauty of your Word. Lord, that we may be touched by your presence, and Father, to, to just rejoice in, in the work that you have done on our behalf, even when we didn't deserve it so that you could simply bring your mercy into our lives in such a powerful way that your mercy comes through us into other people's lives. No matter what they've done, no matter how they've treated us, no matter no matter the issues, Lord, that your mercy still pours out. And it pours out through us into this world. So God, bless us as we consider these things and strengthen us to understand what you have here by thy precious Holy Spirit within us. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Here we are, Luke chapter number 6, verse number 27, and the scripture's talking about loving your enemy. The first thing he has to say, we're going to read verse number 27, and then we're going to read verse number 36, and then we'll put the stuff in the middle. So he says, I say unto you which hear, oh, it's so vital, and we talked about this yesterday, to hear the Word of God, not just to simply read over it and, and collect a bunch of words in your mind that are on the page and then walk away and dump the words and not really be touched by anything except for in the moment, but hearing requires understanding, it requires connection, it requires an intimate consideration of the things that would be said from this point so as to be changed by it. Now, that change could be a change unto wrath and you'd be upset and you would be angry about what was said, or that change would be effectual unto a humble state and it would bring you to a place before the cross where you would be repenting of something that, that God has pricked you by. 
Note the fact of the scriptures above it where you, you have the blessed and you have the woe and you have the attitudes that are exemplified by poor in spirit and rich, by hungry now and full, by, by weeping now and laughing now. So you've got this comparison contrast and you've got to consider today exactly where you're going to find yourself before the throne of God. Because this is very important to hear. In other words, receive it. Now, he goes on to say, But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies. The the most difficult thing you could possibly think of to consider, and Jesus lays it out for you right up front. Love your enemies. Do good to them which hate you. Now, if you, if you scroll on down with your eyeballs there on the page or with your mouse down to get to verse number 36, he says, Be ye therefore merciful as your Father also is merciful. Oh, now, at the beginning he says, Love your enemies. At the end he says, Be merciful. So what is it to say that that when we get over to like Romans chapter number 5 and you get down to verse number 8 and it says that when we were yet enemies with God, he, he had brought Jesus, you know, the blood of Jesus for the purpose of reconciliation. Or when we get over to Ephesians chapter number 2 that it would tell us between verses 1 and 10 that when we were the enemies of God that, that Jesus would, would be, you know, die for us. God who is rich in mercy, saved us. I mean, you you look at the very fact that we were without hope in this world, that we were dead in trespasses and sins, that we, no matter how much God loved us, we were on a crash course collision with death. And so, as the scripture says in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whosoever believeth in him should not perish. So we got to consider the fact that even when we didn't know God, his love was still pouring out toward us in that his mercy kept us from being crushed by his wrath every time we transgressed his law. And I, but most, I don't think people really grasp the, the, the gravity of this point that I made. You realize that every single transgression of your soul, more than just what you've committed in sin in your life, the activity of your iniquity going on in your heart, but all of the iniquity of your heart that you have never said, that you have never done, that you have never told any soul on the face of this planet because of how atrocious or horrible it might be, all of that is considered under the wrath of God, and yet still you're breathing. Still you are, are functioning. Still you are able to go through your daily routine like it was normal when the very wrath of God would completely consume and crush you if it was not for the very simple mercy that is that literally covers you whether you believe in God or not his mercy covers this this people and they have no idea 
And they've never given him credit for it. They've never given him consideration for such great mercy. But, but the way in which those of us who do fully comprehend the mercy of God at this point is when we, when we are faced with an enemy that we provide for, that we care for, that we help when help is needed, that we, that we, you know, if asked for something, we, we lend it to them and then it's taken from us because they never give it back. But we nevertheless continue to serve God and as they have need, we continue to help them. And, and that is, you know, there are so many things that have been prayed for to God, uh, diseases to be cured, uh, vehicles for transportation, jobs. I mean, you, you name all of the practical, simple and, and, and things that, that we've been praying for, food on the table, electricity, all of this. And God so, so overwhelmingly provides these things. And as soon as we have comfort through the things we've prayed for, we just neglect God. We walk away. You know, we come to his house seeking such a great thing and pray unto him and and seek his face in this matter. And then when he, with his mercy, moves to, to honor the prayer that was asked we walk away from him, never come to church. We we abandon him like he wasn't even there. We're grateful for the moment. We're grateful for the one little thing that he did. But then we put the genie back in the bottle until the next thing that we need. And yet still, if we come to him with the next thing that we need, his mercy bursts and he, he provides. Because God loves his enemies. And in his love for his enemies, he, he has enemies no more because he's seeking an opportunity for them to, to have it sink down into their soul, what God has actually done for them. And then he wouldn't have an enemy. He would have a near kinsman. He would have a, a, a child that he's adopted. All the enemies of God are children waiting for adoption. <laughs> Think about that for a second. Some will respond to the calling on their soul. Some will burn. Which are you? <laughs> Just a thought. Let's go back up to the blessing of the most hateful thing that Jesus told us we had to do with our lives as if we're going to be Christian, if we're going to serve him. And that most hateful thing of all things is this. If you're a Facebook junkie or an Instagram junkie or, or a social media junkie entirely, and you are upset with, with somebody and you blast them on, on that social media, I mean, you just blast them, you're not being a Christian because a Christian is to love their enemies. It's to not speak ill of even that which would be considered an enemy because every enemy in the future could be a brother or sister in Christ. God didn't come here to destroy the world. Should I say God? Jesus, the very Son of God, as he said in John chapter number 3 and verse number 17, as he said in several different places throughout the scripture by his own mouth, I didn't come to destroy the world. I came to save the world. John chapter number 12, verse number 46 and following. I didn't come to destroy the world. 
You see, Jesus always saw the enemy as the potential son or daughter of the king. Jesus always saw the enemy in the, in the eyes of God, and Christians are called to see their enemies with the, with the eyesight of Scripture because every enemy is the potential of a son or, or a daughter of God. And so even though they, they have become our enemies in that they, they despise us and they despitefully use us, like we talked about above this verse, and they slander us, yet still we do good to them. We bless them. We pray for them. And the reason why we do good to them and we bless them and we pray for them is because even though they've chosen to make us their enemy, they're not our enemy because we know whose enemy they truly are. They're God's enemy. And we pray for them because we know if they don't change the direction of their way, that they're going to be crushed by the wrath of God. And and we do good to them because we want them to understand the goodness of God, even in spite of the evil that they're doing to us. And and we bless them, even though they cuss our name, even though they, they yell and scream and, and, and are angry with us because of the truth that we share with them, we still bless them because we know that that they've cursed themselves. They've cursed themselves. And the cursing that they bring toward us, the reality is they have no authority or power over us being the children of God. And so the very curse that they spit out towards us is the very curse they've applied to themselves. The reality of this very statement is found in what happened in Egypt at the 10th plague. You see, Pharaoh was so upset with Moses and, and, and he was cursing Moses. Remember, he said, I'm going to come and I'm going to kill all your firstborn this day. Uh, I'm, I'm going to slaughter you. I'm sick of you. I'm tired of being in your presence. And he, he, was, he was hating uh, Moses and the people of Israel he represented. He cursed them. He, he was despitefully using them as, as slaves in his kingdom. And, and you, you see, it, Moses... He continued to love Pharaoh. He continued to go to Pharaoh because Moses knew the authority of God. He knew when he put that staff in, into the water that it was going to turn to blood. And he knew the death that would come from the river Nile because it turned to blood. He knew that that, that when, when God commanded a particular plague and the frogs had come up, he knew that this being the wrath of God is meant for the conversion of, of Pharaoh's heart. But he also knew because God told him that, that these things were going to harden Pharaoh's heart even more because it, it is a, a, a God competing against a God and there is no God that can stand in the presence of Yahweh our God. And so Pharaoh just was brought to his knees and in his final wrath of, of knowing that he could not beat this God of Moses that his decision was, if I can't beat that God, then I'll take everything away from that God. And by the way, that's the exact sound of Satan's voice. As Satan said, if I can't have the throne of God, then I'll take everything that you love away from you. And, and that old devil through old Pharaoh, he, he sought to kill the firstborn of Egypt, but the very plague that God sent in the death of the firstborn 
is the very plague that Pharaoh called upon himself. And so when others, because you're bringing the love of God to them, you're bringing the gospel message to them, and and they begin to curse you and revile you and and despise and despitefully use you, realize that that the cursing that they're they're spitting at you is the very cursing that they are under the weight of themselves as the wrath of God is crushing them and and thus on that social media platform we we get on there and we're so frustrated or we're so angry about somebody or something that we will blast back at them thereby not displaying the love of God that we say we have because we call ourselves Christians, but revealing the very immaturity, if we're saved at all, the very immaturity of our walk with God and and the hatefulness that we would spread. Because that's not of God. And there's nowhere in Scripture that we could find that Jesus ever did that. And believe me, he had a social media platform in his day, it was called the rooftops of Jerusalem. And so it comes down and he says, But I say unto you which hear, that's why it's so important for us to be hearing. Love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, bless them that curse you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. And unto him that, that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not Take away thy coat also. Give to every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. And as you would that men should do to you, do also to them likewise. For if you love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. <laughs> and if you do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And if you lend to them whom, of whom you hope to receive, what thank have you? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again, if not more in interest. But love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, and you shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Oh, that is so tough to receive in verse 35, isn't it? Be ye therefore merciful in 36, as your Father also is merciful. It's so hard to wrap your mind around the reality of God's kindness. It's difficult to soak down into the bones the reality of God's, God's kindness to those unthankful. Simply because if if you're unkind to, to or your our kindness, let me get they get this out right. If our kindness is met with unthankfulness, we start to grumble. We we stick. Oh well, you know I did all of this for them, and <laughs> they didn't care. What difference did it make to them? They. I, I I gave them this blessing, and they didn't even acknowledge it. They just took took it off to the side. What difference does it make? They're so unthankful. And and that is one of those social media blasts that we might uh, poke out there. Of course, we wouldn't use a person's name directly, so to speak, but they would know exactly who I was talking about if I wrote this thing 
on social media saying, well, how how wonderful it is to be met with unthankfulness in, in the blessing of a great gift that is given. And, and you know, what, what in the world are we thinking? God... God could certainly blast every single one of us if he so chose. I mean, he could he could literally write it through the clouds in the sky and be like, Jason Arthur, that knucklehead, uh, I blessed him in, in amazing ways, and he still has not used the fullness of the potential of his blessing. Or or Jason, that, that moron, he he you know, I gave him the wisdom to know exactly what to do with his life, and there he's wasting it doing all this stuff that is against my will. I mean, he he could he could blast us, and he'd be righteous in doing so. But he doesn't. Why? Because he is kind unto the unthankful. And he is kind to the evil, even to those evil. You say, well, how, how in the world could people like Mussolini, how in the world could people like 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 these these atrocious and, and wicked leaders slaughtering needlessly thousands, if not millions of lives and, and generating wars around the world. How can these people, how in the world can they still draw breath that God would be so merciful that he would give them every last opportunity for them to be able to repent? Well, because God is kind. Even in the midst of atrocity, God's kindness still applies. Now, it isn't to say that they don't have a day that is appointed by God. They, they do have a day appointed by God. And, and that appointment that every single one of us, you, me, the rest of the world, of mankind, there is an appointment for us to face God. And so his kindness is even the more, because we look at the, the outward and, and, and physical atrocities of these wicked people that are in the world, but we very lightly consider the internal and, and, and wicked and, and evil atrocities that happen inside of our heart, and, and thus before we receive Christ, that those wickednesses and atrocities could equal the inside of us, the very outside evidences of those wicked people and what they did. You say, no way I could be equal to that. Oh, yes, you are. Oh, yes, you are. All the things you've thought before, all the things you've said when no one was around, all the things you considered to do but just simply didn't, all the things that, that that well up within you of the wickedness of your soul, believe me, we all stand equal in this one point. We are evil. We, we are. We are a wicked people. And if not but for the grace of God, we would be wicked people continually. But that grace, it poured out. Even among his enemies does his grace pour even the more. Even among his those who, who hate God the most, the most grace be displayed to them because his mercy gives to those who ask of him something to eat or something to drink. And his mercy provides clothes to them that, that have need and are naked. And his mercy 
extends to those uh, that that would despitefully use God and that would curse God and that would slander his holy name and that would be all of the things that you'll find in verse number 27 and 28. Those that hate him, those that despise and curse him, those that despitefully use him, those that would strike him in the face, those that that would take his cloak from him and and divide it up into lots as he hung upon that cross, <coughs> those that that would ask of a healing not because they cared about who he was, but they wanted to be healed, and when he healed them, they followed him no more. They walked away with this blessing. Those who who would do all of these things to Jesus during his lifetime and, and never consider for one moment his, his person or his presence, even those the mercy of God pours out upon and the grace comes to all the more. And then he looks at you and he looks at me and he says, be my mercy in this world. You say, well, there is no way that I could do that, Lord. I'm, I'm just a man. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm the, I'm the same sinner as the guy down the road. There's no possible way I could display your mercy. He says, no, you don't understand, son. I saved you. I want to save him. So I need you to be my mercy. I need you to carry my message into his life. And it doesn't matter if he cusses you because he cussed me. It doesn't matter if he despitefully uses you by asking to borrow tools and then just keeps them and never brings them back. It doesn't matter if he if he if he comes to you and 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 again says I have need. He says just as I have given to you countless numbers of times and never received you in return, never received anything from you, all of these promises you made to come to church, if I would only bless you in this matter, all the promises you made that, that I will, you know, I'll serve you, Lord, if you would just take care of this debt or if you will do this, all of the bargains that you tried to make with an infinite and almighty God, all those bargains, I gave to you knowing, knowing that you were lying to me. Yet still I blessed you. For this is the measure of my mercy and this is the measure of my kindness. I know you're lying to me. You said you would come to my house. You've not come yet. Still, you are asking for something else now. And thus you up the ante by saying, you'll serve me in my kingdom if I do this next thing for you when the last thing I did for you was a promise to come to church. And you never, you never fulfilled that promise. Yet I fulfilled my promise. And so now you're telling me not only would you come to church, but you would serve me in my kingdom if I will just do this thing. And out of my abundant mercy, God says, and through my overwhelming kindness, I just do this for you. And thus, what happens? You're so comfortable in the new estate of life that you have achieved that you don't serve him in his kingdom and you don't go to church because it's all behind you now. And yet the wrath of God does not crush you. 
as so easily it could. But I want to give a warning at this moment. Do you not understand that there is a day appointed for judgment? There's a day appointed by God, and you'll meet him. Now, I understand that you very well may be his child. You very well may be adopted as salvation as has been applied to you by by God through the Holy Spirit within you, and, and you are a child of God. I'm not saying that you're lost or somehow you've lost your salvation. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about a judgment that is going to be rendered unto the children of God, which is written plentiful throughout the Scripture. You realize that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that the rain falls on the just as well as the unjust. Make no mistake that the judgment will happen to the just as well as the unjust. The judgment will be in two different manners— one of the children for as the children have served, but another judgment for the lost is never being as children, but brute beast of rebellion. Of course, they'll have to suffer that, that uh, condemnation. But the children of God facing a judgment, do you realize that, that you can ask of God many things and never repay God for for what you promised that you would do in return and still be able to live out your life for the length that God has planned for you on this earth with relative ease. And you'd think that God would just forgive and forget and it's all over and he just blessed me so he must not be angry with me. That's not true. You're failing to recognize in these scriptures that reveal the very kindness of God that would be willing to take care of an enemy in spite of of that status of being enemy. You, you fail to see that God's kindness and his mercy is so much greater uh, at this point than his wrath because of how amazing it overshadows and, and, and guards you, even when you're an enemy of God. And thus, you find yourself doing the things that God is telling us to love our enemies. You find yourself as doing those things that we're supposed to love our enemy that do to us, that you do those things to God, and you don't even give it consideration. But make no mistake, there's a judgment coming. And when we face God, and we've made those empty promises in exchange, like we could bargain with him, in exchange for I'll come to church, or in exchange for I'll sing in the choir and come to church, or in exchange for I'll, I'll go witnessing, I'll share the gospel, I'll, I'll live for you, I'll, I'll tell others about you if you just do this for me. And all of those empty promises that be made will come to account in that time of judgment. Now, if you understood that, that's why at the very beginning of this, he said, for those of you who hear, if you understand that this very day, then um, how can you not find your place at the altar on Sunday? How can you not at this very moment Drop to your knees. Because I can't think of too many people in this life. Maybe you're perfect. I don't know. 
<laughs> I, I can't make that judgment either. But I can't think of too many people in this life that haven't made a bargain with God at some point that they didn't live up to and that they still haven't kept. I know of so many people who who would who would have who've been praying to God saying if you'll just heal my my relative if you'll just do this for this person then then I promise you I'll I'll get closer to you I promise you I'll study my bible every day if if you'll just help me through this tough time I promise you I will go to church I promise I will tithe I promise all, all these promises seeking a bargain with the almighty and they turn out. God delivers. He 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 gets you through the hard time. He provides for your necessities. He heals the relative or heals you. And he 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 does these amazing things. You've got the new car. You 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 got the the new thing. It all of this that you've asked of God, and it happens. Do you think that God has forgotten your end of the bargain? Then why haven't you kept your end of the bargain? Now, maybe you have. I I don't know. But praise God if you find yourself in conviction right now. Get down on your face before God. There's no no better time to repent than now. Get on your face before God. Because repentance is what is necessary. Or you will face this empty promise once more. It will come back to you on the day of judgment. And you will suffer loss because of it. But as it stands right now, can we not see the great mercy of God? And consider pouring out mercy to others who just continuously despise you and continuously hate you. And, and then for that moment where, where you just simply must depart from them because they're, they've usurped so much of your life that there's nothing left to give. And you just you depart from them. And there they sit in, in the, the swamp of their misery all alone and confined because they, they, they have no one else to use because they've despitefully used everyone else and, and they're waiting for the next person that they can leech themselves upon so that they can suck the life right out of them. Uh, imagine... The very reality of the mercy that has been given for the extent of time that, that could be given and the, the, the grace that would be poured out from you to this person who is so toxic in your life and is, is just usurping everything out of you. When you, when you have finally been broken to the point where you can no longer be in fellowship with that person and, and you finally reach that place through the Holy Spirit where the tie is cut... How the Spirit rejuvenates you. How the Spirit lifts you up because you did exactly what God said for you to do in loving the enemy and, and, and giving grace to, to those who despise you and praying for them and blessing them. And, and, and you, you are overwhelmed by the presence of God in His healing time. 
but that other person is just left into the pit of their wallowing in their own self-pity and and, and self-hatred and desire, and they're consuming themselves, so they've got to find another person to leech onto because they if they don't, they they would literally consume themselves, and they it's so sad, but it's so Jesus because we treat God the exact same way. Guys, God is amazing, and God is so good, and we are so evil. <laughs> even even though we're the children of God, we still find ourselves at a place of being so evil because we make all of these bargains with God and we fail to keep them in so many ways, yet still His wrath doesn't come against us. Still His love just covers us all the more. So if it brings us to tears, then praise God. We acknowledge the wickedness. If it brings us to an argument with a preacher, then we didn't hear and and we're just going to go on being wicked. And if it brings us to a place of contemplation, then may the Holy Spirit work within you and may you find yourself at a place of repentance because we need to repent. This nation does it needs to repent. We've been entirely too wicked to a merciful and kind God. We've been too wicked. Yeah. I hope this blesses your Friday, and I hope to see you guys on Sunday at 11 a.m. As we, as we come together for our main service at the church house. And till then, may God just bless you and keep you and cause His face to shine upon you. Father, Thank you for the time that you've given us. And Lord, I just want to continue to pray for Jeff Suggs. And Jeff and Brenda, Lord, we just ask your blessing upon them. We pray for the Suggs family. Lord, as he battles with his cancer, we pray for Katie Neals. We lift up Hope Mullins. We pray for Miss Jane Larkins. God bless Jane. Love her to pieces, Lord. Watch over her. We pray for the facets, Lord, asking your blessing be upon them as they continue to care for Miss Jane. We pray for for those that have overcome COVID. Even though they've overcome it, Lord, it still has some residual effects which create tiredness that causes people to to have a hard time through the day. And so we just ask that you will give them recovery. Father, we pray for for the rest of our community who's in the throes of COVID, Lord, or rather they're battling with diabetes or heart disease or high blood pressure issues. Miss Cherie Saunders battles with that and and with dialysis, Lord. We just we pray for them. We pray for the Saunders family and we pray for for Miss Margie today, Lord, as she had talked to me a long time ago about about the fact of diabetes and lord i understand it well for i'm very prone to it and i thank you lord that that at the current moment i'm not uh, in that state of diabetes but lord it's always knocking at the door i have no doubt for it is a generational hereditary thing with with arthur line and so we pray lord that you will continue to strengthen my brother and and i and that we may be able to uh, be the first ones to maybe overcome this issue. And Lord, we just continue to ask your hand to be upon us 
and that your that our faith would guide us through by the Holy Spirit in Jesus name. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. Have a great Saturday. I'll see you Sunday. Take care.